Willie Nelson, Waylon Jennings, Chris Christopherson. You know, before they were legends of outlaw country, they were lost souls looking for their sound. Don't miss Mandy Moore and the new scripted Audible original, The Boar's Nest, Sue Brewer and the Birth of Outlaw Country Music. Discover the true untold story of the extraordinary woman behind the rise of outlaw country music and its biggest stars. Hear how one woman's vision in her tiny living room, far from Nashville's Music Row, became the epicenter of a musical movement. Mandy Moore as Sue Brewer in The Boar's Nest. Listen now at audible.com slash The Boar's Nest. Hey, it's Bobby Bones. Hey, I just want to say thanks to everybody who has stepped up for the St. Jude kids. St. Jude's doing incredible work fighting childhood cancer. And because of donations, like the ones that you get, families never receive a bill ever from St. Jude for treatment, travel, housing, food, none of that. Help St. Jude stop childhood cancer. Become a partner in hope. Get this awesome new This Shirt Saves Lives shirt. It's going to look great on you. So join all the doctors, researchers, and me in this fight. All right, text the word Bobby. It's only six numbers to 785-833. Again, text the word Bobby to just these six numbers, 785-833. This festival and concert season will be all about the boots, and Tacova's is your stop before attending your next concert. All Tacova's boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tacova's has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink, shop new styles. If you can't make it to a store, just visit tacovas.com. T-E-C-O-V-A-S dot com. You can probably spell it. You probably know it. Tacovas dot com. Find your new favorite pair of boots today. Welcome to episode 267. Thank you for being here. Uh, Coming up, we'll do Song Wars. Eddie comes in. We'll do two songs with the exact same name battling each other. For example, Crazy by Patsy Cline. Crazy. Oh, feeling so blue. Or Gnarls Barkley. Does that make me crazy? So it's all those. It was really fun. A lot more fun than I thought it was going to be. That's a, a Mike D suggested segment that I think we'll do in a few weeks. Let's do it again. Yeah, I have a whole other list that we could do. So many songs have the There's same a name. Lot, yeah. Which is confusing whenever you get on a, a streaming site. Yeah. Because if you were to stream and look up Jump, would they tell you Criss Cross or Van Halen first? Well, let me look. I bet a lot of it's based on what you already searched. Yeah. I typed in Jump. House of Pain Jump Around comes up first in mine. Then Van Halen Jump. Then Third Eye Blind Jumper. I wish you would step back from that ledge, my friend. And then Jump from Criss Cross at four. I wonder why. I guess Jump Around because I play in the dance party sometimes. Yeah. And I search for it to hear that intro. That... (laughs) Uh, So we'll do that coming up. I'm a massive Better Than Ezra fan. Do we have any clips on this computer? No. Kevin Griffin of Better Than Ezra, the lead singer, on 90s Alternative, on Good, celebrating 25 years at number one, which they're one of my favorite bands of all time just because of when I grew up, they were somewhat close. This is it. It's a little bit of Good. We'll talk to him about all the 90s, 90s Alternative. Here you go. Here comes the chorus that you may not know the words to. What's great about that is that uh, uh, he tells the story about that coming up. Yeah. 
I one of my what, favorite things to sing was like, uh-huh, it's good. And I was like, I wonder what that, just, it's, it's good. Uh, also, we'll talk to Kaylee Shore on her new single and her podcast. Let's do new music this week. These are my top five most excited about new releases. At number five, our buddy Adam Hambrick has two new songs. One of them's called Kill a Man. But here is The Longer I Lay Here featuring Jillian Jacqueline. The longer I lay here, the more I forget the reasons why I don't just stay here and make the most of it. Any more of that? How long does that go? It goes the whole way. Here, let me hear a little more. The more you kiss me, the more I see. There's nothing else out of these four walls I need. That guy is such a freaking good songwriter. And I love Jillian Jacqueline, too. Two of my favorite artists and people. Whenever Caitlin and I got engaged, she sent over some flowers. But she sent it because we left for our Nat Geo show immediately after my radio show on Friday. And so she sent it Friday morning. And we don't get back until late Sunday night. And so it just sat on the front porch for three days. And she was like, I just saw on your Instagram that you left. And Brian and I, her husband, sent over some flowers for you guys. So we got back and like half of them were still alive. Half of them had died. So I did an Instagram picture and I just turned to the good side. And I was like, thank you, Jillian and Brian. But I love that. Adam Hambrick's got a new song, The Longer I Lay Here. At number four this week, I'm putting Kaylee Shore. She has a new song out called My Voice. We'll hear from her later, but here's a clip of that. That's pretty cool. Good. I like her so much because she just does her thing. And she's like, you know what? If my thing doesn't work, that's okay. I'm still doing my thing. But you know what works? What turns into humongous successes are when people go, this is my thing, and that thing's a little bit different. Because all you have to do is get one thing to work, and then everybody comes over and starts going, oh, we like that thing. We're also going to mimic it. You see it constantly. I mean, when Sam Hunt came about, you saw everybody start to mimic what Sam did musically, speech pattern in song where he would actually talk or or so really like what Kaylee Shore does and you'll hear from her later she was in two bands before she kind of went on her own one was punk one was bluegrass which is extremely interesting <laughs> to me at number three this is Chris Stapleton and I see a lot of my friends and a lot of folks that I follow because I am from Arkansas posting this song like we finally have our song this is Chris Stapleton a new song out today called Arkansas Come on, jam, huh? Good. That's good, that's good, that's good. I would have put it at number one, but I just love these other uh, two artists and songs. So Chuck Wicks here. Here he is. A new song called Solid Gold is my number two pick. Our love is solid. 
like the vibe. It feels like old school R&B meets country music. It definitely. And again, that's such a different sounding song. And no doubt about Chuck Wicks, guys, is country. So love that. And my number one song is from Matt Carney. Huge fan of him. Such a fan that, you know, one of the dates I took Caitlin on for Valentine's Day, we flew to Oklahoma City, went to the Thunder game. He was in town. And we got to be friends because of the show, the radio show and the podcast, honestly. Because once I knew he was in Nashville, he did a song with Jillian Jacqueline yeah. back in the day. And I was like, oh, man, if we can get Matt Carney to come in studio, I'm such a fan from when I was, you know, in college and right after college. So they came in. We mildly hit it off. It's like, hey, come do a podcast. He had put out his last record. He came over to the house. We spent an hour and a half together. Like, dang, we're pretty similar in a lot of ways, except for he's far more talented than I am. And we hung out a little afterward. We became buddies. We would text and, you know, uh, respond on instant message. Well, he was playing in Oklahoma City the night that I took Kaylin to the Thunder game. And he goes, hey, I'm playing right down the road if you guys get out of the game. So went over to his show, caught the last four or five songs. We literally walked in, saw his tour manager, went to the very, very, very top back row of the theater because we didn't want to walk. Excuse me. Excuse me. Pardon me. Excuse me. We sat in the top row and caught about the last four songs. And the last song that he did was Nothing Left to Lose. And apparently, according to legend, this is where Caitlin was like, okay, this is my guy. And she wrote a note in her phone. She's not letting me read it. <laughs> so I've loved this song for 15 years. She loves this song now because she said this was the song. Well, so told Matt that pretty soon after, but then when it was time to get engaged, I was like, hey, are you in town? He'd been off shooting music videos for a while. He's got a, this new song out. And um, he's like, yeah. So he came to the house, snuck up in the yard. We did the proposal, walked up. He's playing that song. Tomorrow we'll see. It's amazing. So that being said, I love Matt Carney anyway. But he has a new song out called Grand Canyon. Here you go. Tell me why it feels like there's a grand canyon between us. Tell me how you're feeling because I can't. This song, it's, it's one song, obviously, from the new project, and I haven't heard the new project yet. It sounds a bit in the middle of old Matt Carney in the last record he put out, which had some pretty heavy elect electronic influence. Right? Yeah. I like this. Obviously, I love this. It's my number one this week, and I love him. Can't get enough of him. I'd marry him if Caitlin wasn't there. So that's my number one pick this week, Grand Canyon. There is a song, and I'll put this in the honorable mention when we'll play a clip of it. So Garth and Trisha did a version of Shallow a few months ago during one of those quarantine shows. CBS was like, let's just get Garth and Trisha on and let them sit in front of a camera for an hour, and they were just playing songs. And this is one of the songs they did. Now, I wouldn't say it's super relevant because the movie came out three years ago or nine years ago or <laughs> whatever it was. All time is blurred now since the virus. But it was so well received, they're like, hey, let's cut it. And I think, I think they should have. I think it's cool. Here is Garth and Trisha doing Shallow.
go so check that out man there have been a lot of versions of that song right after the movie yeah there were some there were some good ones though daniel bradbury did a good one jimmy allen did a good one i'm sure a lot of folks did but they put that out they may be going to radio with it too i know we played it on the show this morning so we'll see uh luke combs has the deluxe version of what you see ain't always what you get it is five new songs that he was like hey we're just gonna put out some new music as part of our last record which is what you see is what you get so check that out Dirk Bentley has a new song called Gone. Maddie and Tay released an EP called We'd Need Christmas. So check that out. They have an original song called Merry Married Christmas. Also, Harper Gray has a new song called Muddy Water. As far as new albums, Cadillac 3 got a new one. Bruce Springsteen, Seven Dust. That's a rock and roll freaking band, Seven Dust. They scare me a little bit. They're hard, right? They're pretty hard. Are they not super hard to you? I wouldn't say super hard. Pull up some old Seven Dust. Yeah. Like, what's their biggest song? Uh, the Gorillas have a new record, Ty Dolla Sign or T Y. Was it T? I don't know. T- Ty Dolla Sign. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Major Lazer also has a record. Let me hear. It. What's Seven Dust's biggest song? Biggest song? Enemy. Okay, hit it. Is that new though? Two thousand three. That's pretty hard. Come on. Sounds like they're in some sort of industrial warehouse with masks on, beating drums. Come on. I base it on the vocals. Heavy though. distortion comes in. <laughs> Come on. How do you, what do you mean that's mildly hard? When I think of super hard, I think of like you can't understand the lyrics. Hard. That's like screamo death stuff. But this is hard. But the hard, like, they actually sing. Okay. So I'm not going to penalize for singing. What? Read me some of their other songs. Let me see if I know anything. Uh, Black, Dirty, Denial, Thank You, Decay. Those are all their biggest ones. They have the shortest song titles. They have Waffle. Ooh. Bitch. Mm, interesting. And Face to Face. Maybe I don't know any of their songs. Well, that's the new music coming out this week. Thank you very much. Music news, Carrie Underwood was the big winner at the CMT Awards Wednesday, taking home two buckle trophies for her Drinking Alone video and one for Female of the Year. Um, so, you know, with her, it's interesting because she won Entertainer of the Year at the ACMs. She split it with Thomas Rhett. She did good at the CMT Music Awards. All the CMT Music Awards don't only mean much anymore because videos aren't as much of a thing. It's still something, but definitely lost a bit of its luster. But the big question is, will she win the CMA? We'll wait and see. When are the CMAs? And And I asked because we had a a lengthy conversation with Tom Lord, who runs management. There are Wednesday, November 11th. Do we we need to put the Tom Lord episode up next week then to to beat that? Mm -hmm. Tom Lord works for Red Light Management. And he is head of all the marketing there, but also manages artists. I am directly managed by Tom Lord. I have two managers, Tom Lord and Tom Betchy, and they split duties with me. But they're both the guys that run that entire business. And he's talking about, at the end of the podcast, after we talked about managers, why they're important to artists, how to get a manager, who he thinks is going to win, or, who, or, or why he thinks that there's been you know, some weirdness with it the last few years. The question is, will Carrie win? I voted for Carrie. Uh, Jennifer Nettles was the recipient of the CMT Equal Play Award. Blake Shelton did some stuff. Kane Brown, Sarah Hyland, Ashley McBride were hosts. They were fine. They weren't asked to do a lot, so I thought they were fine. Did you watch any of? No. Yeah. Most, 
Most people didn't. <laughs> I did. I watched clips after though. I did see Luke Combs shotgunning a beer with Brooks and Dunn. With Brooks and Dunn, yeah, that was cool. Was that that was from that right? Yeah, I saw that clip too. Mm-hmm. It wasn't from Jimmy Fallon. It was from CMT. Yeah, from CMT. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, look that up. Okay, because you're probably right, but that just shows you. We just watch clips <laughs> and don't even know where they come from. The Grammy nominee announcement is November twenty twenty fourth. So that's always pretty cool. Gabby Barrett lands a first hot AC number one. I knew Gabby from mentoring her on American Idol four years ago. I hope hit number one on the country charts. Now I hope with Charlie Puth tops the Billboard hot AC chart this week. So pretty cool. Good for her. Like old Gabby. We've done a, one of these with Gabby. Yeah. We should boost that one at this point, shouldn't I think we? We did. Did we? We did, yeah. Well, go back and scroll and find the one with Gabby Barrett because this is before she really moved to town. Yeah. She was coming to town debating on if she should move to town. I'm like, you have to move to town. What's the clip from? It is from CMT. It is? Mm-hmm. Thought you were right. During a radio appearance in 1997, the notorious B.I.G. did a freestyle rap about Pepsi. And Pepsi just made a commercial out of it. An unreleased, notorious B.I.G. freestyle about his favorite cola, just in time, by the way, for him to get into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, is being released as a commercial. I mean, his estate making some pretty good money from this. You want to hear it? Oh, you have it? Yeah. I do. This is great for Pepsi. Because it does sound like a commercial. It's not filled with curse words. Here's the thing. This says an unreleased Notorious B.I.G. freestyle. If that's a true freestyle, how are there doubles on the vocals? Well, this is like the producer. I don't know if they oh, went it back is? Yeah, Okay, this so is this is from the, from the commercial. Pepsi commercial yeah. and someone probably going back and, and doing the doubles yeah. over it. Because I was like, you don't freestyle on someone <laughs> knowing what you're going to say and be like, yeah, yeah, get up. We do. Mm-hmm. We do. Get up. <laughs> freestyle. Okay, but good. That's from the commercial. That's pretty cool. Uh, Paul McCartney's new album, McCartney 3, comes out December 11th, 50 years after his first solo album, and McCartney 2 came out in 1980. But if I'm right about this, this is a solo album because he did everything on it while in quarantine. Yep. Played the drums, played the bass, played the guitar, sang, did it all himself. That guy's still hitting it. Garth Brooks injures his hand in farming accident, postpones album preview event. Garth Brooks wore a work glove on his left hand as he apologized to fans for having to postpone his fun album preview event after an accident on the farm. Do you know what the farm accident was? I don't know. I don't either. A note from Brooks' publicist reveals that he hurt multiple fingers on his left hand while working on the farm. He tried right up until showtime, but he finally called the night off. Fleetwood Max Rumors hits the top 10 chart 43 years after its release. This is still a really good song. Mm -hmm. But it was the TikTok of the guy skateboarding drinking the cranberry juice. Yeah. Which, weird how some things go viral. Right? Yeah. Because there's nothing extremely special about that. It's just funny. Just, yeah. Just a bit odd. A little funny. And you're like, I relate to that. But it wasn't like something they spent three hours editing or... Here you go again, you say you want your freedom. 
Wasn't this after the Lakers won the championship? Is that why he was doing it? No, he did another one after they won in like a jersey. What was the one he did it for originally? Because there was some reason, right? No, it was just random. Oh, it was? Yeah, his name is Dogface, and he just does all these random dance videos, and that's just the one that people saw, and it blew up. Well, he still pops in my For You feed all the time. Yeah, and then everybody recreated it. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Guitars played partly by Eddie Van Halen go to auction. You know, Once he died, people are sending those uh, to the auction block and making some pretty good money. All right, that's what's up. I think you're going to like this episode. You're going to love the music game, depending how much you love 90s, 90s alternative. I freaking geeked out on Kevin Griffin from Better Than Ezra. I just love him so much, love the band so much. And then hang out for Kaylee Shore. Uh, next week, we'll, we'll have Tom Lord on. All right. We're now slowly starting to get folks into the studio. We want to make sure that they don't have coronavirus. But once we get tests, they can come in. Mm -hmm. That's the ticket. Uh, so we'll have, hopefully, we'll have more of like the old school where people come in for a little longer form interview. So check out Mike D's movie podcast. It's called Movie Mike's Movie Podcast. What's up this week? I just had Jonathan Lipnicki on who was in a movie with Tom Cruise back in the day, Jerry Maguire. He was the kid. He was the kid. Little kid in the backseat. By the way, he has grown into a pretty good looking guy. He's like ripped up. He does like martial arts and stuff. Most of those kid actors... They're super cute, but they kind of grow and still be kind of have that odd thing that makes them cute when they were little. They still have it as an adult. Yeah. He, I saw him. I was like, oh, he's just a, he's a normal, good-looking guy. Normal dude. Um, and you talk about Tom Cruise a bit. Yeah, about how he worked with them and what he remembers from doing that movie. Also, check out Amy's podcast, Four Things with Amy Brown. She also launched a few shows on her little network, too, which yep. is pretty cool. All right, let's get going with today's show. Thank you, guys. Appreciate you, if you don't mind, giving us a review. Five stars. Please. We're begging. We don't beg for crap. We're begging a five-star review. five stars. Just do it. That makes people go, hey, that podcast doesn't suck. Maybe we should check it out. Uh, maybe write a nice comment up there if you don't mind. If you do that, you'll have good luck for four days. Yes. If you don't do that after I've said this, you'll have bad luck today. So, hey, you push, your, <laughs> push it however you want. Uh, thank you, guys. Let's get going. So it's now time for Battle of the Songs with the same title. Eddie is joining me for this bit. Eddie, thanks again. Yeah, thanks for having me, man. Check out the Sore Losers podcast. Eddie is uh, one of the three co-hosts on that show. Now, we have 12 songs we're going to do. This is the Battle of Songs with the same title. Okay. We're going to start with Criss Cross versus Van Halen. Uh, <laughs> jump. Jump. Right. Here we go. First up, Van Halen. Jump. 1984, this song came out. In 1992, Jump from Criss Cross came out. Eddie, who's Come your on. winner? Come on, man. It's Van Halen. Really? Yeah, I do. you can't beat those keyboards on that, 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 that. I mean, sure, I grew up with mostly crisscross. That was more of my wheelhouse growing up. But Van Halen, dude, that's a jam. They're I'm both going, jams. I'm going crisscross <laughs> because I was so inspired in second grade, I wore my um, pants backward. Oh, did you? Because they wore all their clothes backward. Correct. And I thought, these kids are rapping. This is so cool. And I wore my, I broke my button on my pants. And I only had two pair of jeans, and I got a whooping when I got home because I wore my pants backward and broke the button on my pants. <laughs> That's how much I loved Criss Cross. And they, I had the uh, cassette that had two songs, one on each side. Okay. They had singles. Yeah, the you singles. You had the A and the B side. And on the back side was, I missed the bus. I missed mm -hmm. the bus. So I'm going Criss Cross. 
Mike D, you I, are the, uh, the, the always the one that's going to tip the scale. I go cr- crisscross. There you go. Wow, guys. Crisscross, 1992. Did Which, you all wear overalls ever? Yeah. Not necessarily backwards, but you wore the overalls? Uh-huh. And I think a lot of that, too, was Malcolm Jamal Warner on Cosby Show. Correct. But you had to unbutton one of them, at least. Yeah, otherwise you were a farmer, which also <laughs> people did in my town. Right. Uh, which one do you think was the bigger hit, though? Van Halen, number one for X weeks, or Criss Cross, number one for X weeks? Criss Cross. Well, Van Halen was number one for five weeks. That's a long time. In 1984. Criss Cross was number one for eight weeks yeah. in 1992. All right, next up, Iggy Azalea versus Reba. Eddie, what song do you think that is? Fancy. Fancy is correct. Reba, 1991. Here is Iggy Azalea Fancy from 2014. Pretty easy one, I think. Is it? To, to, oh, they're both jams. To pick up, our- <laughs> <laughs> it shouldn't even be a conversation. Iggy just happens to have a song that's the same okay, name. It's okay. not even close. Eddie, which one do you pick? Yeah, I'm going Reba. Yeah, I go Reba too. Um, which one do you think was number one on the Hot 100 chart for longer? I'm gonna I'm gonna go Fancy uh, Iggy Azalea. Well, Reba in 1991. Fancy peaked at eight only. Crazy. Because again, you're talking about a pop chart. Uh, I mean, yeah. a chart that's all. That is all all the charts. Uh, Iggy was number one for six weeks in 2014. Mm. So she was uh, had the bigger hit. How about Lionel Richie and Adele? What song did they have with the same title? Hello. Right. Almost sounds the same. All right, here is Lionel Richie, 1984. Hello. Is it me you're looking for? Nicest, sweetest guy. Just such a legend. And just the warmest, the minute you meet him, you're like, man, that guy's so full of love. That's so awesome. Just love that guy. You want to hear that about legends. Just the best. Doesn't have to be, doesn't need to be. Cool. Don't even know why he is. Just the best. Um, Adele, this is a hello. Hello, <laughs> it's me. I was wondering if after all these years you'd like to meet. Two smashes. Yep. Which one do you pick? All due respect to Lionel Richie, I wasn't really alive or knowing if I was alive. It was 1984. You were alive. Okay. Well, I didn't really know what was happening in music in 1984, so that wasn't part of my life. When Adele came out with "Hello," I think it was her second album. So she or she had taken a break and came back with "Hello." And it was a big deal because uh, to hear her voice again and she was going to keep doing music. So I'm going with Adele, dude. I'm picking Lionel Richie because that song is still in commercials. It's been around 1984. You still see a peanut commercial. Hello, <laughs> peanut. I love that. I, listen, they're both great songs. That's You really can't argue that any of these songs suck. But I'm going Lionel Richie just because it has stood the test of time. And if I get to pick one to listen to right now, I'm picking Lionel Richie. Okay. Mike D, you're the tipping. Yeah, even though I wasn't alive, I'll go Lionel. 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 Um... Which one do you think was the bigger hit, Eddie? Uh, Adele. Adele was number one for seven weeks in 2015. Lionel was number one for two weeks. Yeah. So Adele is your winner there. Girlfriend. Who do you think sings a song called Girlfriend? We have two artists. Girlfriend. Mm-hmm. Can you give Can you me name any of them? Mm-mm. In sync. Okay. Featuring Nelly. 
Okay. 2020, wait, 2002. Here you go. Here's girlfriend. girlfriend. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Remember that? Yes, of course. Or Avril Lavigne. Here's Avril girlfriend. Girlfriend. Do you know this? No, I never heard it. Okay, well, it's uh, easy for you then. Yes. Go ahead. Give me in sync. Yeah, me too. Although I liked that Avril song, but that was the only one that went number one of those two. Avril, was that a, a, a single? Was that a hit? 2007, okay. number one song. Okay, how about we have three people here that all have the same title. The bands are Nickelback, Da <laughs> Baby, and Post Malone. Oh, what is this? Photograph? No. Nickelback, Da Baby, and Post Malone. I can't think of. What's the circle? No, no, no. Got nothing. Rockstar. Rockstar. Nickelback, 2007. Wanna be rock stars and Remember this? Yeah. I'll have the quesadilla. (laughs) (laughs) Wait, is that you say that in the song? Uh huh. (laughs) That's funny. Here is the baby in 2020 this year. Yeah. Or Post Malone from 2017. This one's easy for me. I hate Nickelback. The Baby, that's a cool song, but I mean, whatever. Dude, Post Malone, this is a jam. That is a jam, but I'm going Nickelback. What? Just because... (laughs) What is wrong with you? (laughs) Nickelback's great. (sighs) People just hate on him for existing. He says, what does he say? I'll have the quesadilla. (laughs) Get that out of here. I know Mike's going to uh, tip this to Post Malone uh-huh. because he's such a big Post We're Malone We're going fan. Post Malone. All right. Which is why I think you went Nickelback. <laughs> no. You, you knew Mike was going Post Malone. Um, I think I went Nickelback for the reason you don't go Nickelback. <laughs> okay. If I got to pick one song to listen to of those three, I'd, right now I'd probably pick Post Malone. <laughs> but nobody yeah. ever stands up for Nickelback. And you feel like you're, yeah, you're the one Yeah, somebody's got to be that voice. Okay. Nickelback versus Ed Sheeran. Nickelback's in two of these? Mm-hmm. Nickelback versus Ed Sheeran. Mm-hmm. What song do they sing that's the same? Photograph. That's correct. Here is Ed Sheeran, 2015. We keep this love in a photograph. We make these memories for ourselves. Where our eyes are never closing. Hearts are never and here is Nickelback. Look at this photograph. I'm going Nickelback twice. <laughs> well, what is that on Johnny's head? <laughs> Turn it up. Hey, what the hell is on Joey's oh, Joey's head. Hey, <laughs> big fan, you. Whatever. I'm going Nickelback. Oh, well, this sucks because I've never heard that Ed Sheeran song. Well, then you got you got no, Eddie. That's not Eddie. True. If you've never heard it, come on. I've never heard Ed Sheeran's photograph, but there's no way I'm going for Nickelback. So give me Ed Sheeran. <laughs> <laughs> that's my point. And that's why I have to stick up for Nickelback. And if that song came on at a concert and they're playing it or they're playing it before a band comes on, you're going to sing, look at this photo. You're going to sing it. And what the hell is Johnny's head? Yeah, Joey. I thought Whatever. it was Johnny too. All right, Mike, you get to swing it. You know, I'm going with, if I heard the song on the radio, which one I would keep on, and I would keep on the Nickelback song. Nice. Oh, Nickelback with a victory. Look at this photograph. Funny. We have, few, we have uh, six more. 
You like this game? That's a great game. FGL. Okay. Justin Bieber. Baby. No. No, wait. Florida, <laughs> Florida no, Georgia no, no, Line. That's not what I meant to say. What's the one they spell? Justin Bieber. Um, does uh, Mike, you know, obviously Mike knows. Uh, they know me. What's the one they spell out? You know what I'm talking about? I'm looking at the answer, so okay, I do. I don't know. What is it? Holy. Holy. H-O-L-E, holy. H-O-L-Y. Holy moly. Okay. Uh, Florida Georgia Line, 2016. Here you go. Which, in an ironic twist of fate, was a Justin Bieber song before he got rid of it. Wow. He, he took it first, cut it, didn't put it out. So then Florida Georgia Line got it second and cut it. Great song, by the way. Okay. Uh, Justin Bieber, this is the song that's out right now. Here you go. Running to the altar like a track star. Can we end on the second? Cause the way you hold me, hold me, hold me, hold me, hold me, feel so holy. Chance the Rapper? That's what he says when Chance comes on. Um, <laughs> he says that in there? Yeah. He's like, Chance the Rapper? And then Chance goes, yeah. Does his thing. Um... Eddie, which one are you picking? I'm going Biebs. Yeah, me too. This is a really good song. They're bo- and they're both really good songs. Yes. And both those artists get hated on a little bit when I don't feel like they should. I I think they're both fantastic. But I, the Justin Bieber Holy is it's really good. Really good. And maybe it's new and fresh. And I don't think I would have been on it if Caitlin wasn't on it. But she was like, oh, I put a new song. Let's listen. It's great. Yeah. Yeah. My kids love it. Yeah, they did it on SNL. It was really good. Oh, they did? Yeah. Cool. Um, how about, this is going to be a little tougher, Eddie. Hot Chell Ray. And Smashing Pumpkins. Tonight. Yeah. Right. Tonight, tonight. Tonight, tonight. Yeah. So they're both Tonight, tonight. Uh-huh. Wow. Here is Smashing Pumpkins, 1996. Come on. Tonight. tonight. And here is Hot Shell Ray, 2011. Okay. Tonight. 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 <laughs> That's a good song. Were you ever a Smashing Pumpkins kid? Uh, no, I mean, I, I listened to it because that's that was, you know, growing up. It was what everyone was listening to at the time. Yeah. Same. But, I was never a big Smashing Pumpkin super fan. Mm-hmm. I liked some of the songs. Bullet with Butterfly Wings, freaking awesome. Yeah. They, had, they had songs I liked, but I was never into just their vibe. Is that uh, Despite All My Rage? Despite, Despite all my rage, yes, I am good. still just a rat in a cage. They ha- Smash Pumpkins has a great library yes. of songs. Yeah, yeah, they do. Um, today is the greatest oh. day I've ever known. And then they- because he sings like 1979. No, 1979. Is this one. Oh, oh no. Oh, no. Yeah. Shot back 1979. Yeah, that's good stuff. So, oh come on. Okay. It's very dramatic. This is today's the greatest day of my life. What's it called? Today. Yeah. So, yeah. so I think he's driving the ice cream truck in the video on this one. Right? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> and that kicks that distorted yeah, guitar dude. kicks in. That's a whole other episode. Good stuff. <laughs> um, Eddie, which one are you picking? Smashing Pumpkins or Hot Shell Ray? I do like that Hot Shell Ray song, but I mean, I gotta go Smashing Pumpkins. Yeah, I go Smashing Pumpkins too. Play that for me, Mike. Smashing Pumpkins. Your winner. Okay. Nine of 12. Gnarls Barkley 
Patsy Cline. Ooh, good stuff. Crazy. Yeah, Patsy Cline, 1961. Crazy. I'm crazy for feeling so lonely. And what Eddie and I hope is that if you're somewhere and they play this song, you just slide in the fun fact that Willie Nelson wrote it. <laughs> just out of yes. nowhere. Be like, hey, obviously you know Willie Nelson wrote this, right? right. <laughs> yeah, if you're not going to do it, we're going to do yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, because we're going to do it every single every time. Every single time. We even had to find a creative way to do it right then, and that's what we did. <laughs> <laughs> you know Willie wrote that one, right? Yeah, yeah, I do. Okay. 2006, Gnarls Barkley Crazy. Jam. Sure. When I think of Gnarls Barkley, I think of seeing them at uh, ACL Festival. Yeah. Right when this song yep. had popped pretty big. I mean, it's easy, right? Easy as pie. Go ahead. Yeah. Patsy Klein. Yeah, Patsy Klein. Still a jam. I'm People are still inspired by her story, her music. What? No, I was just laughing because last night at the dinner table, I was telling my kids that Growing up, my dad had this family friend. He'd come over once in a while with a guitar, and he had a real thick Mexican accent, like real thick, and he would sing crazy. And he would sing, crazy. <laughs> I'm crazy for <laughs> And my kids love it when I tell that story. Uh, Joe Nichols versus Usher. What song? Sunny and 75. <laughs> <laughs> joking. Just joking. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> Tequila makes her clothes fall off. Uh, the song is called Yeah. Here is a Joe. Now, 2014. I haven't thought about this song since the day we stopped playing it, I guess. And I like Joe. I, this song it just left no impression on me whatsoever. I think you could have me list every country song I've ever heard in my life and this song wouldn't come up. And not a hate toward the song. It just, right. it just sounds like a, a generic song from that time. Yeah, uh, that's funny. Um, and then Usher, yeah, 2004. Here you go. <laughs> now this was a jam. Eddie? Yeah, Usher. Yeah, for Usher, sure. Usher, Usher. Okay. Two more. DJ Sammy, Kane Brown. Hmm? <sighs> Let's see. When you figure out what the DJ Sammy song is, you're going to be like, oh, that's... I mean, you may not even know who that is. I don't know who DJ mm-hmm. Sammy is. Uh, Kane Brown, uh, what's the song where he's in? Day. <laughs> what, <laughs> what, what if? What ifs? <laughs> is that it? It isn't. Uh, let's play the DJ Sammy Heaven. Here you go. You know the song? Yeah, but who's, originally it's his, uh, you're in heaven. Who is that originally? Is it, it's not a, yeah, that's a sample. It's a sample? Yeah, for sure. Mike, will you Google that? I don't know how you're going to Google that. but Just what DJ Sammy samples what song? Okay. That's what you yeah, Google. Okay, okay, you okay. literally Google what you're asking. <laughs> you know how this works, Eddie? <laughs> no, I'm the worst Google Eddie's ever. Eddie's over on Ask Jeebs trying to uh, find the exact way to ask okay. the fella. Excuse me, <laughs> Ask Jeebs. Brian Adams. Yeah, oh, Brian yeah, Adams. that's right. You're in heaven. Baby, yeah, I even know that song. Brandon Ray always sings it when we used to tour. What is wrong with me? <laughs> yeah. Um. So... DJ Sammy or Brian Adams okay. or Kane Brown. Here's Kane Brown Heaven, which was a, a number one country song for him. Everybody's talking about heaven like they just can't wait to go. Wait to go. Jam. Do you happen to have the Brian Adams mic? Is it in the system? Yeah, oh, this song. So are you throwing Brian Adams yeah. in this mix? We have to. Yeah. 
This is a jam this is sandwich. A jam, dude. Yeah, Brandon Ray would play this and I would cry. <laughs> he would. You played in sound checks oh, first. Oh, thinking about all your years. Jam, jam, jam. Oh, we have to pick that one, right? Oh, for sure. Mike, which one would you have picked? I'd have probably gone Kane Brown. Yeah. Kane, it's a good version. All those are good. Okay, here's your last one. Forever from Chris Brown or Jesse and the Rippers. <laughs> <laughs> yes. That's Chris Brown, which, by the way, that's a good song, and they use it in The Office when they're going down the aisle when Jim and Pam are getting oh, married. Yeah. It really makes me emotional. And then Jesse and the Rippers, which they reach number one in Japan on Full House. There you go. The choir comes into the church. They met him on the. They, they got a bus ride to the because he he went par- skydiving, <laughs> landed in the tomato tree, uh-huh. or not tomato tree, whatever tree it was, and it was oranges. Got stuck in it. Maybe Some apples. farmer, maybe apple, cuts him down. He gets cuts down, lands in the thing. They drive him to the. It gets there in time. <laughs> sets at the piano. Peels off his his overalls and he's playing in the church <laughs> in the bus that picks him up. All the gospel singers get out and sing yeah, behind yeah. him. Yeah, it's perfect. Fantastic. Fantastic. It's perfect. Um, if, yeah, I mean, this is one of Caitlin and I's favorite songs together, period, because we love it so much. It's, um, if every word <laughs> I say could make you laugh, I'd talk forever. Uh, is there other words there, or is it just, no, uh, just uh, okay, good. I asked the sky just what they saw. They said forever. Uh, yeah, jam. Forever. And ever. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, they're both great. Go ahead, Eddie. Nah, nah. Jesse and the Rippers, for sure. Yeah, and did you know that's not actually a Jesse and the Rippers song? Isn't that's not Jesse singing? It is. It's, okay. it's John Stamos singing that version. But the original song is a Beach Boy song. Oh. And it's freaking fantastic. Is it called Forever It too? is. It's called Forever. Really? That's the cover. Because, you know, in Full House, he played drums for the Beach Boys. Yes. In real life, he plays drums with the Beach Boys. I saw them like a few years ago when he was playing drums for the Beach Boys. Here you go. Playing for my phone. Is this Beach Boys? Mm-hmm. I love it, dude. Old Beach Boys. Great, huh? Great music lesson. I have no idea it's Beach Boys. Yeah. I mean, you can tell from the writing. It's like, oh, it does sound Beach Boyish, but now it makes sense. And it was such a great song on Full House. I was like, man, they were a freaking great song for yeah. Jesse Katsopoulos to play. Because yeah. <laughs> Fat Fish Records was his record label. And uh, they Jesse. called him and said, Jesse, the song has gone number one in Japan. And so they wanted him to travel there for two weeks. He takes the offer. So they go and... I went to Japan because of that. Because Jesse Be- went? Because in my life, having absolutely no money until I got to be an adult, I never went anywhere. We couldn't afford it. Never went on a vacation as a kid. So when I started to have to find things to do, I went to Hawaii. Yeah, because of the Brady, Brady Bunch, Bunch. Right. And the I went to London. Because? Friends. They and go they, to London? They do. Okay. Well, that was, That's I where thinking. Monica and Chandler hook up for the first time. Okay. I went to Japan. Because of Full House. Okay. 
think that probably my three. What was uh, Iceland? Just thought it was cool. <laughs> <laughs> no movie. I went to Iceland because it was actually closer than I thought it was. Okay. Because I'd been to Europe, just pretty new to mm-hmm. traveling, and I was like, man, that's like nine hours across the ocean. But Iceland is like up and not all the way there. Yeah. And so I just Googled it. Yeah. I was like, okay, well, here we go. And Norway, because you had to. Norway, because Bear Grylls said, yeah. let's go. <laughs> right. And Australia, because Nikita lives in Australia. Correct. And in Christmas time, it was warm over there, and I didn't have any family here to spend yeah. Christmas with. So I went to Australia for that. That's cool. Have I been anywhere else? Mm. I've been to every state except for Maine and Alaska. Damn, you're pretty well-traveled now. Now, for someone who went nowhere ever. Yep. Mm-hmm. That's cool, man. I went to Ireland. By myself. Oh, Ireland. What was that for? You too? Mm-hmm. <laughs> no. <laughs> it was Garth in Ireland, the concert sweatshirts I'll see sometimes. The, the shows that never happened. Yeah. <laughs> um, I don't, it's close. It was the closest okay. European country. As you can see, I'm pretty lazy when it comes to traveling far. Yeah. Yeah. And I did nothing but stay on a little bus. I went by myself and just wrote and then um, went and looked at one thing a day. It's pretty boring for me. Crazy. Because the drinking is such a big deal there. It's, yeah. That's part of part who of they culture, are. Huh? And I don't. So I got over there and I was like, what the crap? And I was like, I'll just take a train and go somewhere else in Europe. And it, except it's an island and there are no trains <laughs> that go out of Europe and, uh, or they go out of Ireland. And the other thing was, what was the other thing that I learned while I was there? Oh, I- Ireland is the size of Iowa, basically. Really? The entire country. Wow. If that gives you perspective yeah. on what that is. Yeah, not very big. Like Ireland would be one of our small states mm-hmm. in America. Well, there you have it. Is that it? Was that the end? That was it. Mike, you did a great job with yeah, good game, coming man. up with this game. Thank you. There are a lot more than I thought. Yeah. You know, I'll mention a podcast that I have nothing to do with. It's from The Ringer. And I've only listened to one episode. They'll only put one out. And they're going through songs that meant a And they just did one on Atlantis Morris that you ought to know. And they talk about the whole story of the song. It's pretty It's pretty, pretty good podcast. So they take a song and then kind and of break just, it down. It's oh, like, that's really cool. But not just about the words of the song, but what's happening around that time. Mm-hmm. It's a pretty cool podcast. I'm not even sure the name of it, but it's what I'm listening to right okay. now. Okay. And then at the end, they have it on whatever platform you're listening to. They have it connected to the stream. So as soon as the podcast is over, it goes right into the song. Nice. Yeah. So, all right, that's what's up. Um, Eddie, the Sore Losers, why should people listen to this? Sore Losers, because it's funny. We're just three guys. We talk about sports, yes, but then we talk about our lives, and I think we all just live very different lives. So it's very entertaining. Please give us a listen. Sore Losers Podcast. There you go. The Sore Losers Podcast. Get it. Thank you, Eddie. Thank you, man. That was fun. This festival and concert season will be all about the boots, and Tacova's is your next stop before attending your next concert. Tacova's has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring. You're talking about men's boots, women's boots, um, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tacova's boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition, timeless style, always on trend. And Tacova's has first wear comfort, little to no break-in period. Like it's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Plus, direct consumer pricing keeps the value on your feet, the money in your pocket. So stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink, shop the new styles. You like the smell of leather or no? I love it. Yeah. That's what the whole store basically is. Fresh leather. Yep. Friendly staff. Or like the smell of staff? <laughs> I don't know. I guess I'm sure they smell good there. Many stores have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. What a gift, too. Regular live music and events. There is no in-store experience like this. If you can't make it to a store, just visit tecovas.com. T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. T-E-C-O-V-A-S. Yeah. Yeah. Tecovas.com. Find your new favorite pair of boots today. Willie Nelson, Waylon Jennings, Chris Christopherson. 
How did the biggest names in outlaw country start a musical revolution? Through one woman's vision from one tiny living room. Don't miss Mandy Moore as Sue Brewer in the new scripted Audible original, The Boar's Nest, Sue Brewer and the Birth of Outlaw Country Music. Discover the true untold story of the extraordinary woman behind the outlaw country music movement and its biggest stars. Brewer shaped the sound and soul of country music as we know it today, despite never picking up an instrument herself. Lovingly dubbed as the Boar's Nest, Sue's place was an intimate staging ground where a new breed of singer-songwriters, wounded souls, wayward upstarts, that's where they would spur each other and tap into something bigger and something realer. Starring Mandy Moore and featuring Eben Moss Backrack as Shel Silverstein and T.J. Osborne as Johnny Cash alongside a full ensemble cast. Audible invites you to enter the boar's nest and experience the rise of a musical revolution. One woman, one time, one place. The boar's nest. Sue Brewer and the birth of outlaw country music. Listen now at audible.com slash the boar's nest. Hey, it's Bobby Bones. I just want to say thanks to everybody who has stepped up for the kids at St. Jude. St. Jude's been leading the way in the world's best survival rates for some of the most aggressive forms of childhood cancer. Your support means the families never get a bill from St. Jude for treatment or travel or housing or food so the families can focus on helping their child live. And that really hits home for me because I've been to St. Jude many times. I've hung out with the kids, played music for the kids. I was in the hospital a lot as a kid. Now, I didn't have cancer, but if it wasn't for people stepping up, I don't know that I would have been able to go and stay in the hospital and be taken care of. So that's why we do this, take care of others. You can help St. Jude stop childhood cancer by becoming a partner in hope. When you do this, you'll get this awesome new This Shirt Saves Lives shirt. So join all the doctors and researchers, you know, and me in this fight and just text the word Bobby to 785-833. It's only six numbers, but text the word Bobby to 785-833. On with us right now is Kevin Griffin of Better Than Ezra, as Good celebrates its 25-year anniversary of going number one. Holy crap. Hey, Kevin, how are you? God, it feels so good to hear your voice. You know, the same to you, my friend. And I tell you, the great thing for me is whenever I'm doing like this interview here, I get to really focus on, and I get to geek out on a guy that I know in real life and wouldn't geek out on in real life because I don't want to be a loser. But right now I get to go full <laughs> loser, and it's, it feels Woo! great. Yes. So I'm, I'm see I have those guys too, and you you are. Let's be honest, you're one of them for me, Bobby. And I'm so happy that I get to be that guy for you as well. I see, and and this isn't on the sheet, and we'll get. I want to get to good, and I have so much to talk about. But the the band that you do with Mark McGrath and uh, uh, Emerson Emerson from Tonic, right? Like those guys. When you get together, are you also not? Are, are you like, man, we have such a bond because we all kind of went through the same thing at the same time? Like, what are those rooms like? So, so we have so so we have a band called Ezra Ray Hart. It's a '90s jug, '90s juggernaut uh, that I, that's with Emerson Art from Tonic and Mark McGrath from Sugar Ray, and we we have so much fun because we have so many of the same stories um, from the from those years where just the the stupidity, the decadence. <laughs> uh, all the 90s, you know what they say, you know, I think it was that meme, uh, the 90s, the greatest decade ever, and no evidence. So we kind of, uh, we, we have a good time. Better Than Ezra, one of my top five favorite bands of my lifetime, even still today. Uh, you guys formed in 1988. You formed the band. Where were you in your life? Like, what was your long-term future in your mind in 1998 whenever you, you get the guys together? Oh, in, in 88. In 88. Um, 
in 88, you know, I was a sophomore at LSU. Uh, I'd always been in bands, you know. But but in, at that time, you know, there there was really the promise of massive, you know, success. You you wanted to just be you wanted to just be a band and tour, but you also saw that brass ring, you know, with crazy sales of albums and stuff like it was back in the day. So it was really kind of the the, the world was our oyster and. In 1988, we had our first rehearsals. We, we moved it to Boston that summer and started playing shows. And we, we played shows with the Pixies and Extreme, um, Mission of Burma, all these, all these seminal bands. Uh, but it was a great time, man. And we just got in our van and we, we earned it for seven years. It took seven years before Deluxe came out. What about Better Than Ezra worked that all the other bands didn't? Um. It's such a cliche, and I know you can identify with this. It's perseverance. It's it's you, you hear it, but the reason our band is we're having this conversation right now is that we just didn't quit because there were other bands, honestly, that were maybe had a better stage show. They had maybe better songs, but what separated us from them is that we just never quit. You know, our business is a business of nose, as as you as you know, <laughs> and uh, and y- y- all you need is one yes in this business and then it opens all those doors and we just never quit and i always just had my eye on the prize so it took we we toured for seven years in our beat up 88 dodge ram van all throughout the southeast playing every college bar from tuscaloosa to athens to old miss oxford you know and we just kept going and finally you know things shifted and and grunge was starting to fade and commercial alternative was starting to happen and suddenly the band the labels passed on Better than Ezra. Suddenly, we were the hot band uh, that March at uh, South by Southwest down in Austin, and and uh, the rest is rock and roll history. I'm gonna play 1995. This is a song that just went 25 years. That's crazy. At number one, it, here you go. Here is good. So. When you're in a room, are you going, all right, let's make a song that no one will know the lyrics to at all. We sing it, and everybody sings it wrong for 25 years. Well, the funny thing is, man, so we we had a show coming up. You remember this band called Toy Dog Pondering? They were an Austin band that had minimal college success back in like the early 90s. We had a show opening for them, and I wanted to get some more songs together, some more originals, because we were still playing like half covers uh, and half originals. And so I sat down and I was like, I want to write a song like the Pixies meets R.E.M. with the same four chords happening over and over again. And so I started writing good. And then the key to a 90s song was you had to add the seventh. You had to, at the end of the chord progression, you had to add a major seventh chord. In this instance, it's a C seventh, which gives it the rock and roll screaming trees sound. You know, and, and, and the whole hook of the song, the wah-ah, that was supposed to be lyrics, but the, <laughs> but the show the show happened. The show happened, and I had no lyrics, so I got up on stage and just just winged it and went ah and people <laughs> loved it. I mean, the the response from people with that one song compared to the rest of all the songs was so palpable 
uh, indifferent. We knew we had lightning in a bottle, and so I was like, I'm, I'm not going to screw with this. This has got some kind of thing. And then if you listen to other songs I've written afterwards, there's always some kind of non-lyrical wah-ah or wah-oh, oh-oh, something like that. Because it was a, it was definitely an epiphany for me. What's it like being a, you know, a guy that's in the middle of college, a sophomore at LSU? You're grinding it out, and you start after so much hard work. You start to get some of that that national exposure, and the rocket starts to take off. Like, are you able to kind of differentiate the difference in the hard, crazy work and the cool things you're getting to do, or does it just still feel like you're in the same rotating cycle of playing shows? Um. When you're in it, you don't really have the perspective that I do now, like seeing that how things were going off. I was still, you know, I, I work with a lot of young artists and bands now, and a lot of them have a singular focus that I'm doing music, this is my future. But I was always, I always had uncertainty. You know, I always wanted a safety net. So I was going to go to, I was going to, while, while the band was, while we're playing sold out shows all throughout the South and going up to, Play Cicero's with Uncle Tupelo, and uh, which was the band before uh, Wilco. Um, I was I was filling out my my law school application, so I was going to go to law school if music didn't work out, and I I was like oh, I'll be an agent out in L.A. And so I was always kind of torn. Um, but 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 see, when you're in the when you're in the midst of it, you don't really know how special it is and, and the crazy things that are happening. But man, you know, those were such great times and innocent times. You're kind of like a, you're kind of like a pirate in a, in a touring van, you know, it's, you have no place to sleep. You, you know, halfway through your shows, you're always like, Hey, anybody got, anybody got a place for us to crash? That's a whole <laughs> separate podcast. That's a whole separate podcast. The places we found ourselves, the band houses. I mean, you needed a tetanus shot when you leave these places. You know, the other day I was listening to a radio station. And they were like, "Hey, classic rock," and then Good came on. Oh and Jesus! Right. So here you go. <laughs> well, how do you feel about better than Ezra being playing on classic rock? I'm thankful, man. Yeah. I, you know, and somebody was somebody sent me a Spotify oldies playlist, and it was it was us and Nirvana and Faith No More. It was crazy. Uh, but you know, man, you know, it's so hard. To, to have a uh, a career with any longevity, man, and I'm so grateful uh, to still be doing it and the thing that I loved, you know, from from second grade, you know. So it's all good. Before I no cut, pun intended. Yeah. Before I get through some of the uh, the songs that, that that I loved and tell a, a personal story from back when I was like 19, um, you guys put out in your eyes. Um, which is the first new music in two years. It's a Peter Gabriel cover. I want to play. Yeah. Uh, let's let's play better than Ezra's version. Here we go. Kevin, why'd you choose this song to do? Man, I've got such a connection with that song. It was my first serious love in college. Uh, that I, this was my song. That when I listened to it, it I saw us together. And when Lloyd Gobbler hoisted that boombox over his head and say anything, that was me, you know. <laughs> and so it, it speaks to me in, in in memories, but also the lyrics and the vibe and the emotion um, is really relevant today for people feeling disconnected because of COVID and where we are. And it, it's just a hopeful song. It's spiritual in a way. 
um, without being, you know, too on the nose. And it just and it felt it felt right on. And also, I liked Weezer's very faithful cover of Africa. And I was like, oh, I'm going to go full on within your eyes. I'm not going to do a sensitive, pensive singer songwriter cover. We're going to go full out. And, and that's Aaron Sterling on drums, who's John Mayer's drummer. Kristen Rogers, who's one of the best singers in Nashville, doing the BBs. And so we went for it. You know, back in the 90s, your first TV performance, I got to imagine, because there, there weren't 10,000 places to play. There, you know, there wasn't all this content you could just do. How cool oh, yeah. is that? And do you remember your first TV performance in the 90s? The first TV show, like legit, was the John Stewart show. Wow. That must so have been early, early Daily- John Stewart, huh? Yeah, there was a, it was a, before the Daily Show, John Stewart had this hipster, uber hipster, uh, late night talk show. And then, of course, I think the next one we did was Conan. Then we did Leno a lot. Leno dug us. The weird thing, though, is Leno would always come into your dressing room, and he was always wearing a denim shirt unbuttoned to his belly button. And it was always uncomfortable because my <laughs> eyes, it was like, it was it, it struggled. Do I look at him in the eyes or do I look at his, his, his stomach? Did you so, guys ever play Letterman? We did do Letterman. We did Letterman uh, twice. And what most people will tell you, and I can uh, validate this, is that it was like a meat locker in there. It so cold. It tested at like 52 degrees. Did you do it? Did you ever do it? No, I didn't do it. I went. He's my hero. Like, my life heroes are Letterman and Howard Stern. And so I never, I went to the show and got to watch it. And it was, I was freezing my balls off just being in there. Oh, uh, yeah. It, it, and so imagine, you know, when you, do, when you do these shows, you're nervous, right? So when you combine nervousness and sub-zero temperatures, your you know your your hands don't really work. So I performing there was always a challenge for me. You know, me growing up in Arkansas, you know, central and, and south Arkansas, I always felt like you guys were pretty local because you were always proud of your Louisiana roots, and you guys oh, yeah. were, were touring through my my area a lot, which is one of the reasons that you became one of my favorite bands. First of all, I, I was 90s country, 90s alternative kid, both, you know, to my core. And did you feel like, and I, I started thinking back as to why I felt like maybe you guys were, were very close to me personally. Did you feel like, I know there was punk roots, the alternative roots, but did you feel like there was any country influence in what you guys were doing? Man, you know, I, I, it, it, first of all, it's kind of a two-part. So you grew up, were you in Little Rock? I was, uh, I mean, near Little Rock on and off my whole life. Right. So did you ever see us at Cicero's? I saw you there, and, I, and once, my favorite, Better Than Ezra story, when I was 19 years old, I saw you guys in Fayetteville, Arkansas. And it was um, a small club, and I was like, wow, this is crazy. Um, I'm, I was right up near the stage. And at the end of the show, you said, does anybody know this time of year? And you were like, somebody can come up, and I, you would let them play it on guitar. And so I raised my hand, and I got up on stage. The thing is... Oh, shit. The thing is, I'm left-handed and can't play a right-handed guitar. Oh, no. So I was like, oh, I'm left-handed. So I still sang the song as someone else played the guitar. So I sang on stage at your show when I was 19 years old. Dude, I, I love that story. And, and it's such a great thing that people come up to me now and say, dude, I played on stage with you in Philadelphia or, or Seattle. And, and truth be told, we got that, we got that trick from you too. Because I saw them in '88 at the Pete Maravich Assembly Center in LSU, and during "Stand by Me," their cover, 
they always got somebody up to come play guitar, and I was like, that's awesome. But wait, to get to, to finish your to your question, um, country music, you know, that was always in my house, but it was old school, like Charlie Pride, uh, George Strait, Willie Nelson, uh, who else? Uh, Waylon Jennings. That's what my dad listened to. So I think there's, I always loved the narrative aspect of uh, the country music, you know, the stories it told and stuff. And I, I like to think that's always been in my songs with songs like Lifetime and Our Last Night and stuff like that. So good as 1995. Uh, in the Blood, 1995 as well. This is deluxe. Play a little bit in the blood. Rosalia, let's play a little bit of Rosalia here. So, (laughs) listen, all these songs just take me to a place, right? Well, then, here we go. It's 1997, Desperately Wanting Hits. And I'm like, they changed my life again with this song. This was, (laughs) it felt like, to me, it felt like it was where a band like Stabbing Westward got their, their groove. Like, I feel like this song kind of personify what other bands were going for there because uh, it felt like a bit of a bit of a change for you guys talk about that period it, it was it, it's such a cliche now a, a band has success on the first album and the first thing they say about their next album is well this one's a little harder than the uh, earlier stuff you know it's a little, little rough, more rough at rough edge and we were that the same way you know I think we were listening to heavier music um, that we didn't and uh, we didn't want to seem too pop. And, and you can hear that in the Friction Baby album. Uh, we, we did that record at uh, Daniel Lanois studio down in New, Orleans, in New Orleans, right in the French Quarter. It's called Kingsway Studio. I mean, uh, Pearl Jam, U2, R.E.M. did seminal albums down there in this amazing haunted studio. And so Friction Baby and Desperately Wanting was born out of that. And Desperately Wanting, the interesting thing about Desperately Wanting is the original chorus is now the is the bridge of that song, and I realized, and it was a key change, and I was like, oh, this is a terrible song. So, so let's make that the bridge, and let me write a, a better chorus. And I, I remember exactly where I was. I, some of my best songs, I remember where I was when I wrote it, and I was sitting on my couch in my bedroom in the Garden District of New Orleans on this rainy Sunday. And I was like, well, maybe if I speed up the delivery of the lyrics on this chorus, it'll make it feel different. Because all all my all my favorite songs that I've written are the same chords, you know, verse, chorus, you know. And that's that's always the the hallmark to me of a great song. You don't have to do any big transitions; just with a switch in melody, um, it, the, the song feels like it lifts and falls and in the way it's supposed to. And that's what Desperately Wanting was. And I'm so glad you dig that song. And let me say something, dude. I'm a fan of what you do, all, all the work you do. And so for, to have you say you're a fan of that music and that it's the, the biggest prop anybody can give your music is that it it, it reminds them of a, a time in their life. You know, it's a soundtrack to a certain point in their life because I'm the same way. So it's very cool that you feel that way. You know, again, when I was 19, I played with them. And then a few years ago, you guys at my show, you came and played in the two songs. I was like, hey, we played good and we played Desperately Wanting. And it, 
it was the highlight of my night. And I'm, I, could, I got to play with everybody. Keith Urban came up and played. But being able to play those two songs, because, again, it just takes you back to a certain place. There are certain I love it. songs or sounds or video games that you remember exactly where you were and what your goals and your dreams were. And you guys and you were a big part of that for me um, early on. So, so it's been real cool to talk with you about that. I do want to mention this, too, though. That do it. These are other songs that Kevin's written with and for other artists. Here's Howie Day, Collide. Was that the first cut that you got that was big from somebody that wasn't you? No, this is a great story. The first cover I ever had, or the first co-write I ever had, was with Meatloaf. <laughs> <laughs> Which is crazy. Yeah. So 2001, I was recording an album at, at uh, Conway Studios in Los Angeles. It's this amazing pre-studio complex in the heart of L.A. And Jane's Addiction sang about it, and Jane says, um, anyhow, but Justin Timberlake was in one studio, Better Than Ezra was in the middle studio, and Mr. Meatloaf was in the next one. And long story, I, I wrote this song with him called Testify, which was a seven-minute long opus about a, a truck driver on speed. who he, His truck breaks down and he stumbles into a tent-side revival. You should listen to it. If you, want, if you want to see an exercise in bad taste, Google or YouTube Meatloaf Testify. Sydney Opera House, and it's a spectacle that you want to take a shower after you watch it. <laughs> but 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 then but anyways, the, the guy that managed Meatloaf also managed Blondie and the BG. So I wrote I wrote a single for Blondie. I wrote a song with Barry Gibb that was terrible and never got released. But that opened my eyes to co-writing, and then suddenly other younger artists like Howie were coming to me and and uh, wanted me to write with them because they were influenced. So that kind of started me. But Meatloaf started the co-writing. That's funny. Uh, Sugarland, Stuck Like Glue, wrote this one too. And then James Blunt, I'll Be Your Man, is another one I have up here. Are you still writing... Three, four times a week? What's the deal now, Kevin? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, man. I- I'm writing with different bands. I've just just written some songs with the Struts and the band called The Record Company. And got some cool stuff coming out with them. And uh, three, three, three to five times a week. Well, I hope everybody checks out In Your Eyes, the new one from Better Than Ezra. It's a Peter Gabriel cover, but such a good version. Um, I still live on Deluxe. Uh, There's uh, Probably once every couple of months I go back and just take the whole thing in. I find now, even though my job is to at times find new music, what makes me feel most comfortable as I get older now is just going to the music that I loved as a kid. So it's better than Ezra, John Mayer, Counting Crows. um, Isn't it it funny? Like like when you you have Sonos in your house? I do. Okay. What is your Sunday morning? What is your go-to artist radio? Um, I'll play... Uh, acoustic 90s. Oh, that's good. As mine. Mine is, I'll do, you remember that band Travis? Oh, yeah. Why does it always rain on me? Sing. Oh. Yeah. Do me, so do Travis Radio. Cure Radio is great. But my go-to might be Van Morrison Radio for, for that sultry, romantic Sunday morning. Next time I need to be sultry and or romantic, oh, I'm going to check it out. And think of Kevin. I will. I always do. <laughs> At Kevin M. Griffin on Instagram. 
at we are better yeah. than Ezra on Instagram. Uh, congratulations, 25 years ago, man. Just to be able to last and to be able to talk about it has uh, got to be really cool. I appreciate the time, and as always, I'm a massive fan, and I can't wait to see you in real life again. Dude, right back at you, Bobby. All right, there he is. Bye, Kevin. Cheers. Hey, Kaylee, how are you? I'm good. How are you guys? Really good. On with us right now is Kaylee Shore, who's got a new song out today that is called My Voice. Here you go. We'll play a clip of it for you. So, Kaylee, with this song now, is this part of your new relationship? As you have a new record deal? Yes, yeah, it's my first. Um, it's my first release with them. It's gonna be pretty exciting. Then they have to be very excited about this too, right? Oh yeah, I mean, I, you know, I really didn't think this song was gonna get released because of how, I don't know, it's kind of it's pretty out there as far as you know, um, topics for songs go. It's about the music industry, and I, so I didn't think that a label would would like it and I played it for them and they were all totally obsessed and championed the song from the very beginning which was a good sign that I was at the right place. So my voice is about your voice in the industry. Doing what? Saying what? Well, you know, I mean, you have definitely talked about it a lot but like, you know, the problem with being a woman in country or the, the not the problem with being one but, you know, for the past decade it's been really hard for women to be heard in nashville and you know we're finally seeing things move but i mean i think for a while i would go into these meetings and it was like i already had a strike against me just because i was a girl and i was like okay well i can't change that and it it wouldn't like i never want to come from that as like as from a perspective of being whiny because it just like irritated me (laughs) like i wasn't like oh i want to like be part of this game i was like okay well that's just rude let's find a way around it and so that's always been my approach and um you know especially like I have a lot of rock influence in my music like my first two bands that I played in in middle school was I played in a Nirvana cover band and then I was in a bluegrass band (laughs) and the song really encapsulates all of that but I think for a while too people would tell me that I wasn't country enough or I couldn't like have an electric guitar in a song because it made it sound too rock and the song is about me just owning my perspective my sound who I am and, um, you know, not being afraid of it. You know, there's another song that comes to mind and it sounds sonically nothing like your song, but when you go, you know, this is a perspective that I didn't think a record label would, would take and promote, uh, because of what it's saying. I, when I think of that, I think of Sarah Bareilles love song. I don't want to write you a love song because that was about her record label saying, Hey, you need to write a love song. And she's like, I don't want to write you a love song. And people, had interpreted that in many ways, like it was an actual song toward a person where she's like, I don't want to write you a love song, but it was actually toward the record label. That thing went to be a number one song. Yeah, so cool. I mean, I, I love that story about that song, and I think it's super relatable. So, by the way, Kaylee has a podcast that is called Too Much to Say with Kaylee Shore. In one of your last episodes, too, you talked about, because this is going to be on your deluxe record, right? Yes, it's called Open Book Unabridged. So Open Book, it, it came out about a year ago, and, and you spent one of your podcasts talking about the process with that record? Yeah, like an entire episode. <laughs> what, what, like, give me a couple things that would be interesting to me to hear. Well, I did it 
all in a one-room studio um, upstairs from an office on Music Row with my producer. Um, the two of us played almost all the instruments. His, like, 20-year-old son played drums, members of my live band. Actually, Natalie Stovall played fiddle. Um, Stevie Woodward played harmonica. It was just, like, a, a bunch of friends making an album. And it was the first time that I ever, like, went into the creative process completely unconcerned with what anybody thought, with what Nashville thought, whether or not it was going to get me a record deal, whether or not it was going to have a hit on it. I just made the music that I needed to make, and I was writing all of it about the most challenging year of my life. I went through a breakup and lost my sister and had to return to that place of using music as therapy and not having it be so much of a career and, like, you know, making business moves all the time because it's so weird. I mean, you know, like being creative, but also having to like have that be your job. You can kind of get those things confused sometimes. So I really just returned back to a place where I was just an artist, just a writer, and just getting my feelings out there. And it worked. <laughs> yeah, since since doing this podcast, what do you think is the, the biggest thing you've learned about yourself? Oh, I, I think I had a, a moment. <laughs> so I'm a pretty, even though I'm like, angsty in my music and, and have this attitude. I'm actually a pretty nice person, I think, and I'm, I'm a very much so a people person, and I think that for the first time, I really was like, oh, wow, there's going to be people who don't like me, and I can't make them like me. Like, they're just not going to like me, and that's okay. And I was like, I think I had this realization where I was like, there's somebody out there who listens to my podcast just to make fun of me, and that's okay, because they're still streaming it and it still counts as a stream. And there are some people out there who are listening to your podcast that don't like you yet, but will come to understand you and therefore create a bond and like you. Those are, those are one of the, the best things too. Cause I mean, I think if you're polarizing as, you know, a personality or a musician or anything, like at least people are talking, like it means that you're, you have something you stand for because if you, don't have any opinions or values or whatever, you're probably not very interesting. Yeah, people that are just good just exist. Like I wanna be on one side of the spectrum or the other because there's passion and polarization. So mm -hmm. no, I, I really love the song. I love what you're about. I hope people check out the song. It is out today called My Voice. Follow Kaylee at Kaylee Shore, K-A-L-I-E-S-H-O-R-R -R, on Instagram and Twitter. And looking forward to another episode of the podcast. There are six up now, I believe, right, Mike? Mm -hmm. Yep. And yeah. when do we hear more music from the project? Not to jump ahead already, but I know you say that Open Book Unabridged will, will be out. Like, what's the uh, timeline with that? Um, that'll be out within the next, I mean, it's going to be out before the end of the year, before the holidays. And we have uh, three more songs on it um, that are brand new that people haven't heard before. So nice. we'll have those out over the next few weeks on a you know staggered schedule. But I'm really excited for everyone to hear them. All right. My voice is out today. More music soon. Uh, Kaylee, good to talk to you. And I'll see you soon. Bye, guys. All right. Bye-bye. This festival and concert season will be all about the boots. And Tacova's is your stop before attending your next concert. All Tacova's boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tacova's has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink, shop new styles. If you can't make it to a store, just visit Tacova's.com. T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. You can probably spell it. You probably know it. Tacova's.com. 
Find your new favorite pair of boots today. This is the year to stop overpaying for your family plan. So choose a straight talk wireless family plan. Unlimited data, talk, and text on a reliable 5G network. And you can get a new line starting at $25 per line per month for four lines, plus taxes and fees and no contracts. That's good decision making. Available at Walmart and on straighttalk.com. Family plan discount with four lines, all on the silver unlimited plan. Not combinable with auto pay discount. In times of traffic, your data may be temporarily slower than other traffic. Video streams at up to 480p. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited-time 2% cashback on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024.